Good afternoon. Welcome to Tom's World Language Cafe, coming to you live from Fishers, Indiana. It is Thursday, October 15th at 1.35 in the afternoon, and we have a special guest today, really a surprise guest, and he came all the way from Hollywood to talk to us. And I'm only kidding, but he came a long way to talk to us. And uh, he, and that is Guero Loco. It's Guero Loco live here. He said he might sing a few lines of a song for you. Guero's thinking about that now, that we added that to our script. Uh, maybe he can sing a line or two, a few lines from a song, or rap a verbal with you, or the alfabeto. Uh, so, um, just a couple of notes. Uh, we are coming up to the Indiana uh, World Language uh, Conference for Language Teachers in Indiana. That's November 7th. Toward the end of the month, we're coming to the ACFO Conference, which uh, is uh, done being done virtually this year. Uh, so, um, and then we'll be into the month of December. And I want to thank all of you for listening. I hope everything's going well with the COVID crisis as it continues. And uh, Hope everyone stays well, and thank you again for listening, and uh, be sure to subscribe to the podcast, uh, the Apple Podcast, uh, if you can, so if you get a chance. Uh, Guero, how are you doing? Great, Mr. Awesome. How are you? Thank you for having me. Well, you're welcome. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Um, Guero's been on our show a couple times, uh, two or three times over the years, and uh, somebody asked the other day how long we've been doing the show, and I think... This may be our 10th year we've been doing the radio show, so quite a while. And Aguero's been a staunch supporter of our show. He's always appeared when we were asking to be a guest. And I usually don't ask him to be a guest unless he's got some special stuff going on. And he does have a lot of special stuff going on now. And uh, all of you teachers out there, pay attention. You Spanish teachers, because he's got quite a show he puts on. And he has a virtual show as well. He can do live, but he also does, now does a lot of virtual shows uh, around the United States, and he's going to tell you about all the things he's got coming up. Um, so, Guero, can you tell the listeners a little bit about your bio, like where you're from and uh, the highlights of your life, pretty much? Um, well, I might take all day. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm uh, born and raised in Indianapolis, Indiana. Um, and just real quick in a nutshell, because I, I have uh, went through my bio on here before, but um, in a nutshell, I really struggled with Spanish when I was in high school because it was, you know, I had you as a, as a teacher and I was all motivated when, when it was just like, you know, level, uh, level one. And then once I got to the other levels where, you know, we're talking about past tense verbs and those things, and it got a little more difficult, I started giving myself excuses on why I should not learn the language or telling myself that, why am I going to learn this language? How, how is it ever going to help me out? So, you know, just, a, just a, a good reminder for a lot of our students and learners and even ourselves sometimes is that um, sometimes we don't we won't understand in that moment why we need to learn something, but sometimes it's ab it's absolutely crucial that we do. Um, luckily for me, um, I ended up uh, almost failing Spanish after in the next semester after yours, but um, then I joined the Marine Corps, and then after taking a few tests, the Marine Corps said that they were going to send me to the Defense Language Institute in Monterey, California. And that's where um, I got my confidence to, to, besides, you know, like I said, within your class, but when I got that long-term confidence to be able to, um, to embrace the language and to learn it to the best of my ability. What, one, one thing I, I would mention to the listeners, uh, 
Guero had when I had him in class. His name was Steve, by the way. Uh, Steve Spiegelmeyer, not, no Latino at all. And I had him in class, and he had this uh, phenomenal ability to, uh, to uh, speak Spanish and to understand it. And as well, had this great ear where he captured all the different sounds and, and just a phenomenal ability. Uh, probably one of the most talented students I've ever had in language, uh, as far as an all-around talent for absorbing language and picking things up. And, you are way uh, too kind with those comments. Well, those. but it's Very true. Too kind. Very true. And um, but he, he just had this beautiful approach, and he, he he liked to learn language because he had fun, and uh, and many of you know that uh, uh, as we d developed our teaching strategies, uh, as things evolved over the years, uh, we all ended up doing that, you know, and that was uh, the purpose of why we taught too is to help people learn through enjoyment and, and having fun and playing games and using language in real-life situations and, and things like that. And uh, over the years, I think many of the teachers, especially in my, my age group, uh, we evolved over the years and, and learned all these things. Uh, but Guero uh, was one of those people that was way ahead, I think. And, uh, but he really appreciated the, the things that we did in class, etc., and uh, but he was just a magnificent student and uh, not a great grammarian, but he got better now. And he's over the years, he, I suspect he knows as much or more than many nativos uh, with grammar, etc. Uh, so, okay, and so you you went to, to the Marines and you learned your Spanish, and then what happened? And this was probably the most amazing part of Guerrero's uh, life so far. Well. Then I came home uh, back to Indianapolis, and as any, anyone who lived in Indianapolis or the Midwest outside of Chicago, um, it, anyone who lived in those times during the mid-90s knows that we didn't have the hugest population of Latinos in, in Indianapolis, I mean, peor, like a uh, uh, very low population. And so when I came back home, there were a lot of Latinos and Mexicanos, recent arrivals, and um, they, they befriended me and really kind of just kind of pulled me out of the funk I was in as I had left the Marines and I was sad about missing my brothers and sisters in the Marines and, and having them to be there for me. And the Latino community kind of adopted me. Um, when I, when I came home, I started working for Radio Latina 107.1 on, um, uh, here in Indianapolis, our first Spanish radio station. And that's really where my love for music in Spanish really, really, and not just choosing one culture's uh, music, but also, you know, learning about not just, you know, what they call Mexican music, but there are a lot of different varieties of, uh, of Rejo Non Mexicano, um, but also learning about bachata, merengue, the other Caribbean forms of music, punta in, um, in Honduras and El Salvador, uh, cumbia, which is, you know, all through the, um, the Latin diaspora. So really learning about the different forms of language. And then also I, I heard this group called Fulanito and it, it was like this merengue mixed with hip hop. And then as I found out, it was called Men and Hip Hop. And so I started to dive more into hip hop in Espanol because that was my first, I was already rapping only in English. I'd thrown a few Spanish words, but I never heard anybody do it so well. And, um, and so I'm very grateful for that opportunity. We had a Latin hip hop, reggaeton, Chicano rap, and hip hop in Espanol radio show for uh, one year with, uh, with my close friend and hermano Victor. And then from there, we, um, I just kind of, you know, just followed any opportunity, um, any path that I could, you know, I was, um, any opportunity I had. And I ended up 
through rapping in Spanish, um, I ended up signing with a, um, a record, not a record, record label management company that had also signed Aquid, Crooked Stilo, and a lot of the, the artists that had been signed by Univision. And at the time when, um, when the, the mix of, of uh, Spanish hip hop with Mexican music, uh, which is called Regional Urbano, and Aquid was the first ones to jump on the scene, I was lucky enough to be signed by the same manager as them. And so that kind of pushed me even more towards um, not, not bilingual hip hop and reggaeton, but 100% Spanish hip hop and reggaeton. And then Guerrero decided after he had had uh, lots of successes with his uh, hip hop music in Spanish, uh, then he decided uh, to look into educational things. And, yeah. right, right? And so lo and behold, Guerrero and I reunited after a long time. How many years was it? It was a long time. It but, was um, about seven, 15, 17 years. I'd say it was about 17 years around that zone. Yeah. had gone by. So we're on, we, we talked and we said, let's get together. And Alan Garfinkel, professor at Purdue, had heard uh, Guero perform at, uh, at Purdue in Lafayette uh, on a Hispanic festival. And he said, said uh, you and Guero should get together. And he told Guero that too. So we did get together. We met at this old Charlie's restaurant, and Guero's Spanish was quite a bit better since we, we then talked two hours all in Spanish. So I could see that, you know, all was not in vain after his grammar. His grammar had become very good. So anyway, it was, he was incredibly good. And uh, we talked about uh, doing some things together in education uh, the, for the high school students, middle school students. And we uh, ended up doing a, a project on wrapping the variables in the alfabeto. And... Uh, one of them, I think, we recorded the variable thing one night when it was 20 below zero. <laughs> I, we still remember that. And we had some great fun along the way. And Guero kind of, yeah, I was able to help him a little bit. And he's now kind of blossomed out and uh, he has his own company. And he's doing beautifully. And uh, we're just happy as can be about him and, and hope that he just keeps doing well and helping those kids. And uh, that was one thing that he's... Uh, he didn't say much about it yet, but I'm sure he will. But he has such a profound uh, impact on the students. And I was, I was able to see him do some of his shows around uh, central Indiana and uh, with students. And he's quite good. And uh, if you get a chance, you should have him come visit your school. He puts on a beautiful, beautiful show. So, okay, Guero, anything else? Um, no, just... Oh, you know, I know one more to... thing I got. Oh, you, go you, you know you're really in tight with Guero when, at the time when he, he invited my, myself and my wife to go to the Chicago Music Festival. And I thought, what are we going to be doing at a music festival at our age of rappers? You know, it was actually an award show. It, it was, wasn't a it, festival. It, it was an award show. I'm sorry, award show. To which he got a bunch of awards. I'm going to throw that in. Uh, and uh, he's so good that uh, they they pretty much consider him a nativo. So, but he, it was really a, quite a night for Guero and and for us to have been there. It was a very enjoyable evening. Uh, so, and Guero continues on and and doing a lot of things. Can you tell uh, the listeners some of the neat things you're doing? 
Well, just from, um, you know, like you said, when we met, I was working with dual language students on the east side of Indianapolis in Lawrence Township. Um, and then from there, I've just kind of followed, you know, where where you helped me to kind of branch out and realize that I could combine my music and my passion for education. And so I took that and I ran with it, ended up, um, you know, going out to motivate kids that were like me. And then um, through uh, working with, uh, I, I think I keynoted the San Antonio Association uh, for Bilingual Education. And I met Mr. David Briseño and he brought me in for as the... Um, the master ceremonies for the national Spanish spelling bee. And then from there I was back in dual language education doing this. So it's, um, I've got a, my curriculum as far as, or my offerings as far as what I do are from everyone from beginners that are just learning the language to recent arrival, English learner students to full fledged dual language, whether it's, um, 80, 20, 50, 50, um, and then also doing professional developments for, um, for teachers as well. Uh, related to using, and Mr. Also will love this, but using out-of-the-box teaching methods in order to reach your students. And that's yes. something I learned from Mr. Alsop and Mrs. Dorothy Davis and a few other of my teachers. I always learned better when we were doing either project-based or music-based or, or something of that nature where I didn't feel like I was learning. So what I've tried to do is come up with different programs where we can help our students and be able to connect with them. And also, not only get their get their academic abilities up but also get them to embrace their identities embrace who they are um, and become more open to other people other cultures other languages and then eventually we form unity through that and that's you know at the end of the day that's my main mission because my life has been filled absolutely filled with people who were supposedly different than me um, whether it be skin color whether it be by language whether by be by where we're from or economic status or what have you um, my so many people have been so kind to me and I know the power of unity. I know what happens when we look out for each other um, or we look out for the little guy as I was back in the day. But um, it's, it's very important that we do that regardless of who the person is, regardless of whether they look like us or believe like us or not, that we show them kindness. Whenever I've went to other countries in Mexico and Cuba, um, El Salvador, and even in Canada, um, that's one thing that I walk away from. People are so kind um, to the other. And, and I know that that's not the case all the time, so I don't want to go overly broad with my stereotypes. But within my experience, um, the, the power of kindness has kind of like pushed my, my life to where it's at and my belief system to where it's at. So um, can you tell the listeners a little bit? One of the messages I was always impressed about you at the conferences when you when you sang etc and your presentations was the um, the positivity side that you have can you can you mention that a little bit a bit more maybe about your positivity well well yeah I mean it's it's so cool and not just for students because we all need a good dose of positivity I, um, what I've learned though also is that um, we have to build around that as well. We can't just tell people like, hey, be positive, be happy. You know, we have to be able to, to whether as educators through the assignments, um, you know, and, and allowing them to discover, discuss, interpret, and then um, ultimately write down their feelings about who they are and where they're at in this world. So as educators, we have this amazing power to change the lives of students. And I, I only had a few um, of those in my lifetime, Mr. Alsop's uh, one of them, uh, or in my younger day schools. 
And the power that you all have to change lives um, is cannot be um, overstated because we need you right now. We need you. We need you as educators, as administrators, um, as tutors, what have you, as just a friend to somebody. We need you more than ever to come together um, for our students and for our country. That's very kind, very nice. Now, so this uh, idea about music, music is such a powerful tool, as you said, uh, for learning. And uh, uh, what what ways do you think music is going to evolve here? for a learning tool because, you know, we have a little bit, we have had music in vocab, we have music in culture and music in uh, grammatica and different things. But what what is going to happen with music, do you think, as, as a teaching tool? Is it, Do you think it's going to become a lot more prevalent than it is today? It's prevalent, but it could be a lot more, right? I believe... And that because we, <clears throat> human beings, we have this special relationship with music that other animals don't have. And within that is our, the, within that is the rhythm and the repetition, which is really gets us into the song. So if you think about when you were back in middle school or when, when um, even now, if you're driving to school and you've got a song on, sometimes that song can get stuck in your head, whether you like the song or not. And uh, that's what I try to do with some, with some of my, some of my music, because I believe that we will learn <clears throat> faster and we will be able to retain the information on a deeper level by using music to do that. And we start out with it, you know, that when we want to teach A, B, C, D, E, F, G, when we want to teach that, we're using music, when we're teaching the basics, but it's like we got lazy when it, can, when it comes to finding ways of combining that rhythm and the repetition. And I just want to throw a shout out <clears throat> to kind of like the, the golden grail of educational music, which is um, Hamilton. So if you listen, you don't even have to watch the play. I didn't watch the play for two years before, um, but I listened to the album like 20 times before I went to the play. And if you just listen to the words um, combined with the music, then I have such so much of a better idea of American history through listening to, to those 30, 40 songs together. And they just one right after the other, one right after the other, after the other, and they continue off of each other. So this is, this is how <clears throat> myself and other students, how they can learn about concepts, about ideas, but there's also other ways where we can um, really get in touch with our emotions um, with music, um, where emotions, not just music, but co combined with music videos, to where those can get us um, feeling on a different level, where they can make us either feel better, sometimes feel worse. But what I'm hoping is if your goal is to get your student, um, their academic levels up, to get them reading and writing at, at higher levels, I would hope that what we're trying to do is inspire conversations. <laughs> and, um, and you brought up culture earlier. A lot of the times we focus on like kind of like what I call like the old school culture, the old school vision of, um, of culture when, when we talk about countries, but we also have to remember that there's an entire contemporary culture that goes along with this. So with our newcomers, they may not know, you know, they may look at that sombrero up on the wall and be like, you know, guess that's because they never, they've never actually seen that in their country besides maybe, you know, uh, 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 a person in a chato suit. So, so things like that, tapping into to real culture, authentic culture, things that matter to the students. Like with our students, we work with the Dream Act and wow, we were able to get them debating and, and reading and writing and coming up with their own ideas. 
Um, so find out what matters to your students. Yes. And if you can find yes. what matters to them and you can get them hype about, you know, if you can find songs to go along with it, even better. Mm-hmm. But if you use that combination, your kids are going to respond. And the other big thing that uh, comes out of these things are the, is the fact that uh, when we talk about uh, music, etc., especially music, music and painting, writing, uh, all of those type of the arts, artsy things, uh, there needs to be pro- probably a lot more of this in, in the classroom. You know, the music part of it, painting where kids paint more, where they write their own books and they do more things, create creative things at young ages. And I think that we perhaps need to get a lot more friendly with the arts and the humanities, you know, in, in life. And uh, maybe we get too technical sometimes with the, uh, let's learn technology. We want to be an engineer. We want to be a scientist. We want to be a doctor, lawyer. But we got to give some time to the, the, the humanities. And, uh, and I think certainly music and where we've, we've got to involve it in other areas. As we, if you, you're doing so well with languages and music and, um, and math and science and all types of things art and, and writing, all these things. But there are things that could be done, you know, if we get creative in the schools with the curriculums and, and don't get bogged down too much. Uh, one of the things that I, that I notice sometimes in all disciplines in schools is we get bogged down too much sometimes. And sometimes we'll do something that we know isn't very good for two or three years because we have to do it, that it's brought down upon us sometimes by administrators at the top. And I think they all mean well. But I think, as you said, you have to talk to the teachers and the teachers have to talk to the students and, and find out what the kids really like and what they have fun with and enjoy because that's the other side of life and the effective side and we can't just throw it away. It's there and we've got to, we have to nurture all that. We can't just uh, forget about it. Um, so, for example, today, language education, you know, the... The big thing is the readers, you know. We have the TPRS books, et cetera, et cetera, and uh, the comprehensible input. And those things are great in, for language, et cetera, et cetera. But we also have a hundred other things that we, we seem to neglect sometimes. So I'd throw out there all teachers that we have, to be, we have to be alert to a lot of things, and we have to pay attention to all the learners, right? And... Uh, to which uh, Howard Gardner did beautifully in the multiple intelligences uh, about and, uh, and differentiated instruction, which reminds me of uh, Debbie Bloss, who, who just won an award for reading, uh, uh, for writing, uh, for her great book on uh, differentiated instruction, in which in that book she talks so much about the different ways you can learn and, and, and how learners live and learn by different ways. Hey, Guerra, what about dual languages? What about that? Uh, I love dual language programs um, just because in their nature, you know, they're training kids from a, from a very young age um, to, um, to be fluent, not only in the language, but also in, in cultures, um, being able to, to connect with others. And so I, I love dual language. I think that, um, that every school district 
um, in this country should have dual language programs. When you look at the world, and I always say this, but when you look at Europe, Africa, Asia, Latin America, you know, many of those kids are, are learning two, three, four, five languages before they're ever Absolutely. High school. Yes, beautiful, beautiful. So they're gaining on us. And I, and I love seeing them. Yes. I love seeing other countries do well, but I don't want to see our kids um, knocked backwards because of it. And, and the sooner that we can really embrace learning about others, and learning other languages, um, we're going. We're going to be moving, taking leaps and bounds, steps steps forward. But I love dual language programs, um, especially when they are able to serve everyone, and we don't get in a situation where the dual language program gets gentrified by only one um, one group of students. So I, I, I think the dual language programs are most effective when we have um, when they're open to to everyone, to absolutely everyone on an equal on an equal level. Well, well said, beautiful. Uh, I just noticed that t- today that uh, the Indiana Foreign Language Teachers Association, the 2020 award to uh, uh, award for uh, award for distinguished dual language immersion programs in Indiana, went to the Batesville schools uh, that, for their strong Chinese dual language immersion programs in Batesville, Indiana. That's pretty wow. impressive, right? For Batesville. Yeah. That's amazing. That's yes. amazing. Batesville also, um, uh, as, as well as that Martinsville, as well, they have a dual language program. So in Indiana, these are some of the smaller areas where we normally wouldn't think about being open and receptive to learning about other languages and, mm-hmm. and cultures. Um, but there, there they are. And, it, and it's, it's beautiful. Um, yes. And, you know, because we need to be able to open up. If, if we're not, if, if someone is an adult and they've already decided that they're just can't do it, they've, they've convinced, they've lied to themselves and convinced them that, um, then at least do it for your kids. At least give your kids this, um, this method of upward mobility, of connecting with other people, of being able to travel all over the place um, and meet new people. You know, give them, give that gift to them. Yeah, that is pretty amazing. That that's quite, that's quite a program in Batesville there. Um, so um, at the, um, uh, why would you tell a student to study a world language today? Um, because of, well, I mean, there's a lot of routes that we can go with that. You know, there's the, you know, there's the obvious um, professional, you know, most of the jobs that I had before I got my college degree, I was supposed to be having a college degree and some of them even working on my master's in order to have it. But because of the need for linguists, um, I was able to get a lot of jobs I wouldn't have otherwise had. Uh, Many times I got paid more. So there's that obvious economic benefit that we could throw out. But I think more importantly than that, um, going off my own experience is the ability to connect with other people, to the ability to um, to be transnational in a way. Um, you know, I love, you know, I spent so much time along the U.S.-Mexican border, and I love being able to go to Mexico and exchange ideas um, with a lot of the people. You set up an amazing, amazing trip for me to, um, and, and Ocho and, and Chuck, to go to San Luis Potosí, and, um, and I love San Luis. I love, so I think, mm-hmm. one, you know, the um, being able to go out there. City and meet the people and just feel so much love. Um, we went to La Casa del Migrante out there, met a lot of Central American migrants who were passing through Mexico to get to, get to the U.S. Um, and so just knowing other languages is going to open your life up to so many possibilities. And as, you know, it keeps getting passed around on who said it and who didn't, but as it has been said many, many times, is that to know a, know a second language is to possess a second soul. 
and and it really allows us to connect with other people and also to connect with ourselves and go beyond um, who or what we thought we were before. Yes, and uh, well said. And I've heard people also say learning a second language uh, is like uh, being two people. It makes you be two people instead of one, <laughs> which is yeah. another. Yeah, and, and the goal is, as I read something with this as well, um, regarding to going to other places and living, you know, because I've lived in California and Texas. Uh-huh. And, and what I tell people is I am like a representation of the awesome people that have affected my lives in different in different ways. Yes. Um, whether it's my accent, whether it's my, my me forma they say it or the way that I am. Yes. Um, it, you know, I am a reflection of the kindness that others have, have shown me. And, and as we all are, as we all are. Yes, yeah. everybody is. Yeah. I don't think sometimes we appreciate enough all the people that help us in our lives, all the way from parents, friends, and colleagues throughout the years and things and it's something we have to be careful of because it's easy not to remember some you know and things and there are a lot of people that come into our lives that uh, we, we need to think about uh, what's your favorite place to visit in the u.s la i bet right well i love la so you know oh no you, i know where it is it's probably not you know you know so, i know where I, it is is it santa fe albuquerque no um, anywhere in new mexico I so figured New Mexico. In, in yeah. Mexico. But I love LA. LA is, I, I've lived there a couple times off and on. Absolutely love um, the vibe of LA and how multicultural it is and how um, inviting it is as well. Um, but New Mexico, that's my that's my, yeah, my place where, where I need to relax, when I need to just go and see beautiful sunsets and, and uh, sunrises almost every single day and just kind of reset myself. Uh, New Mexico is, is where I like to go. But there's so many... So many beautiful places. Utah is a beautiful state yes, as well. Yes, yes. National parks. If it's got a national park in there, yeah, I want to go. <laughs> and Nuevo Mexico is where the famous painter was out there. There's a museum. Her museum's in Santa Fe. Downtown. What was her name? She did those uh, landscapes. Georgia O'Keeffe. Georgia O'Keeffe. Yeah, Georgia yeah. O'Keeffe. She yeah. was astounding, wasn't she? The, some of those beautiful paintings out there in the museum. and it's, a, it's one thing to see them in a book, but boy, when you get to see the colors and and how she worked with those pastels. She was astounding. Good, well, great painter. And, and New Mexico has such a rich history. It yes. was the, the first, um, the first European, Euro, excuse me, the first European established um, capital um, way before Jamestown and, you know, all this stuff when the pilgrims came. You know, um, Spanish was already spoken here in the United States. And I didn't learn that in high school. You know, I didn't learn, I, I, didn't, I didn't learn that until, you know, probably about, 18 years ago, right? you know, the connection. And so I think that if we're going to study American history um, or U.S. history, we need to really embrace um, all of the facets of that and teach our kids about that. Um, because Santa Fe was like one of the most important cities in this hemisphere for um, for between there and, uh, and a, a little bit north up there in the, um, uh, it's slipped my mind, but anybody that's been to the ski areas, they, they, they know where I'm talking about in New Mexico, yes. but and, 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 it was Taos, yeah. Taos, Taos, the, the Taos, Taos trading yes. of the indigenous, um, and New Mexico still has this beautiful mix, uh, I don't want to say it's all mixed together, but it's it's great how everybody moves almost in unison when it comes to indigenous, um, Spanish speakers, yeah. Mexicano, people that identify then, as Mexican, people that identify as Mexican-American, yeah. people who 
from hundreds of years ago when their family came, they still identify as Espanol or Spaniard. Yes. And then, you know, the way that they speak is one of the most, um, in northern New Mexico, um, some of the dialects are some of the more unique and um, um, more yeah. unique that combines the old school with the new school. Yeah, and then in Santa Fe, there's that beautiful Museo de Artesanía, that craft museum right outside of town. Remember that? This, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I'm starting to get a little sad, Mr. Olson, because I, I'm supposed to be, or I was supposed to be in New Mexico for La Cosecha in Santa Fe. And that's where I was supposed to be in two weeks for the... Yeah, the language tell everybody stuff. about La Cosecha. You've done a lot of great work for them. And, uh, and I know they like your work as well. So can you tell the listeners about La Cosecha, when it is and what's going on? Yeah, it's a, it's a dual language conference um, that I absolutely love um, because it's not just about um, teaching methods or, or, you know, teaching methods for grammar and for, you know, learning, you know, uh, data. You know, it's really, it's, it also embraces various different cultural, um, cultural uh, links and connections and as well as that, the social emotional component for, for our students, because if we're working in, in with English learners and with dual language students, we have to understand that many of our students come from a vastly different background than maybe what we experienced. And so part of what being a good educator entails is also learning about those backgrounds and being able to find ways in which you can connect or at least have that subtle knowledge um, to where not only the students, but also their families will feel more connected to you. Um, Cosecha does that. You know, they, um, uh, last year we had, there was a beautiful powwow. This year it's going to be online. So everything's going to be online. And I was thinking about going out there, but COVID started to, um, to ramp up again. And so I don't want to be irresponsible. So as much as I love, I'd love to be out there social distancing way, way deep. Um, (laughs) I, um, I'm going to go ahead and, and do things virtually from home here in Indianapolis and, um, to be able to connect with the educators. But I, I, at first, doing the virtual stuff, I was a little bit, had a little bit of an aversion to it. I was like, ah, I don't know. And now I really love it and the way that I'm able to connect with, uh, with uh, teachers and with students um, virtually. And I don't have, you know, like with the time, I can do a lot more sessions during the daytime doing them virtually from home. I still love doing things in person, so don't get me wrong. Um, I would much prefer to do things in person, but um, working after the kinks and the, the things I had to go through um, to do this technologically, um, <laughs> I, I've really started to embrace more of the yes. uh, the virtual settings. And, and anybody out there, you teachers, you know what Carl's talking about, and uh, you, you, and, and including myself, have gone through a lot of these. Uh, you know, get things done quick and do the session. You got to do a presentation. You got to do your class plans every day and you know how difficult it gets. And then you get into these uh, plateaus with your technology and then you think you're okay and then some new thing comes along in two days and then you're back at first base again instead of third base. So it's kind of, that's kind of how we've been all year. And I certainly salute all the teachers out there listening for all your great work and what you're doing through all of this crisis and how you just motor onward and forward and and uh, amid all of the threats and dangers of your own life and the students' lives and your families and everything else. So uh, uh, you all need a reward uh, of some special thing because it's uh, amazing what you're doing. Guero, um, well, you've came. You've, we've arrived to this next topic, which I can't miss bringing in there now because you said you missed the live things. 
What about technology? I, it's great fun, right? But is it really as fun as being live in front of a, a group of kids? Um, no. You know, um, it, it's uh, just being honest, you know, because as an artist, and especially as a, as a hip-hop and reggaeton artist, rapper, um, I feed off the crowd's energy a lot. Yes. So whatever energy the crowd gives me, I'm going to triplify that and quadruple mm -hmm. it. Um, to give it back. And if they're giving me more energy from there, if their energy's rising, then my energy is going to rise with it. Um, this could still happen. It, it, it does. Um, it's just more of the technological aspects for, um, I like to be able to deliver high quality sound. I like to be able right. to make sure that, you know, my words are on beat and all of those things. Um, but I think the technology and education is here to stay. Yes. It just, um, you know, by, you know, it's, uh, it's going to become much more parts parts of our classroom and i believe that we if we figure out how to leverage it correctly um where then and keep things moving you know so it's like you, you work on one technological element for 10 minutes then maybe you watch a youtube video for five minutes then you switch over to this so the the, the students don't get stuck in one thing and right. you're constantly switching it switching well it, it is i think that that's, yes that's one of the ways to yes. leverage it, you know, to leverage the technology because yes. it's there and there's so much information out there yes, that you is. can use to combine with your with your lessons, yes. you know, add visuals to combine yeah. with your lessons. And one, of like the, that. one of the big things, too, though, is I think in technology. And as you said, there's so many things available now. So we can do something for five or ten minutes and then ten here, ten there. But one of the things I do think we have to keep doing is, is uh, having get-togethers, be it with technology is part of it or live live encounters as well one-on-one -on -one, uh, groups of three or four learning learning situations but uh, where the humanity is still here though because we we do want to keep talking to human beings right and uh, so I think we got to be careful of that you know where we don't lose sight of our humanity and uh, that we end up uh, that human human beings are still the most important source, you know, where we learn from each other to above, you know, I think more than anything, we learn by being with each other and sharing things and socially and mentally and intelligence wise and everything else. So it, it but it's hard, as you said, it, it's hard to combine this stuff too. I mean, it's hard when you have all the technology and then you want to do the other things. And, and that's where I think the challenge comes in this day and age for teachers is how do you balance all these activities and and, you know, do we do at least 30 or 50 percent of live human touch activities, student interactive things where the students are involved uh, constantly and even technology too to bring the kids together more as a group, you know, where they have to communicate with each other in a, a social way too, not just clicking and things and being by themselves all the time. So it is it's a challenge. It certainly is. Uh, so, Guerra, what would you say today to a young language teacher who's just starting out? What would you, advice would you give them? Um, really do your homework, okay? For as much homework as you're going to be giving out, <laughs> and make sure that you're doing your homework, that you are um, going to the places. If you're going to be talking about places, um, go there and have those experiences. Because I promise you, I promise you, no matter how many times I've been to Mexico, and I've had very few stereotypes these days because I've learned, um, and I love it when my stereotypes get destroyed. But <laughs> when I go to Mexico, there's always a stereotype that gets destroyed. And I think back to, I thought that I knew culturally that Mexicanos, they love football. 
soccer, you know, and, and I'm like, yeah, I know that, you know, that's something that I feel like I know that's a pretty valid, you know, um, cultural assumption. And then I get to Mexico and, and, and I realize that not only do they love football, but they also love American football or as they, as they called it, Americano. And so that was like a, a culture shock for me seeing our sport when I went down to San Luis in 2013 um, and seeing how much that they embraced American football to the point to where they had all girl football, all <laughs> lady football teams. And, and in high school, the girls and the boys played together and um, on the same teams. And so, you know, um, you know, I'm not advocating that everybody go out and play football because it can be violent. There are a lot of physical things that come along with it. But I am a believer as the father of a son and a daughter that any opportunity that my son has, my daughter should have the same opportunity and vice versa. Um, and so um, and so going with that, I just thought it was a beautiful thing. But also it was cool to have a stereotype kind of demolished for me, seeing um, yes. how popular American football is in Mexico. Yes. Now, so... Um, so what I was saying is really learn, really get, get down, learn, go on, go on, um, educational, um, trips where you can go to different places, um, and, you know, connect with Mr. Also, uh, if you know about the Aventuras Culturales that he does, because he has, he brings so much knowledge, um, to, and I would say this behind his back too, but he brings so much knowledge along with giving you that experience to where if you have questions, he can answer the little, um, the little things, the little social science things that it takes a while. It takes really connecting with people to, um, to understand. Thank you very much for that. That was very nice. Now, Guero, what about, do you have any favorite story you have? Something that you happened to that you thought was really good, either funny or otherwise? Um, see, now that I'm on the spot, I can't think of it. Uh, I have so many stories, Mister Austin. You know that. Uh, didn't you? Um, didn't you put? Didn't you put something on Facebook today about storytelling or something? Yeah, yesterday about how yesterday. That was good. I like that. Yeah. yeah, they jump all over the place because. Um, but the real any any story I tell, it's a real real story. Um, can't settle on one right now. All I'm right, sorry, all right. I'm, I'm sorry, right. I'm on the That's spot. Right. I'm on the spot. All right, now here comes November third up. What what do you have to tell the listeners about voting? Do it, yeah. do it. Vote. I, I drove down downtown Indianapolis. It's uh, we're now in our second week of. Yesterday was Wednesday. We're um, we're now in our second week of voting early, but only one from from one location in this county, and the line's still wrapped around the building downtown Indianapolis. Yeah. Um, so that's hopeful, um, you know, regardless, you know, um, of your belief system or which, you know, which side you may support or not support, you know, make sure that you're registered to vote and make sure that, that we are doing the research because it's not just about, you know, the guy in the White House or, or, or the woman in the White House. It's, it's not just about them, you know, um, school board members, you know, school yes. board members not only affect, you know, your salaries as an educator, um, and your, you know, your um, quality of life and, and quality of work as an educator, but they have the power to make decisions that will drastically alter the lives of our students for the rest of their lives. Yes. And I minimize that, um, or I can't um, overstate that rather, you know, I'm minimizing when I talk about that because um, what the power the school board members have is unbelievable because they are affecting education um, they're affecting the students' lives many times for 12 to 13 years of, the, of their lives. Yes. And so find the people that will, that 
are intelligent, that are capable, but that will fight for our students and, and right. also are a reflection of the students that go to, to that district because then they become even more um, closely connected stakeholders for, for all of our students. Okay. So, and if it's in your, if you're able to do it and it's in your heart, run for school board, run for school board and fight for our students, fight for our, fight for our educators and our school districts. Yeah, and Cuero's done that before. He actually uh, got in a uh, school board race once and almost won. It, well, okay, let me connect everything we've talked about to that story and that'll be my story. So. So I was in New Mexico, and I'm bumping Hamilton, first time in my life, and I'm hearing about these 19, 20, 21-year-olds, like, changing the world and changing this country and creating their own country. And I'm like, man, you know, I know I've done a lot, but what am I doing with my life? And so I kind of, you know, I didn't decide right then, but um, as I started to examine how I could have more of an impact and how I could do more, um, and I decided to go ahead and run for school board. I didn't win, um, but I, uh, I got very close, um, very, very close to, to winning. And, but it was really the experience and being able to, to connect with others and understand um, the school system better. But um, I, gave it, I gave it my shot, and uh, I'm not trying to be in politics. So uh, what would you – here's uh, uh, another quick question for you. Well, not a question. Is there any chance you might uh, wrap a few things here, a couple things, a couple lines? Yeah. All right. I've got my, because, you know, they, um, they, uh, a lot of times, you know, when I meet people, you know, their, um, their question is, you know, and in Spanish, they'll, and I speak Spanish, they'll say, ¿De dónde eres? I say, oh, yo soy de Indiana. And then the, the next question will be, oh, ¿y tus papás? I'm like, oh, son de Indiana también. And then they're like, Okay, pero, you know, de donde eres? Like, you know, como aprendiste el español? And so I wrote this song to also help students learn the past tense verbs um, called Como aprendí el español? And I'm going to go ahead, um, because I don't have all my speakers and stuff ready, I'm just going to do an acapella, if that's all okay. All right, that's fine. Is that good? Okay. Yes. Muchos preguntan cómo aprendí el español, cómo yo lo hice y cuál fue la razón. Comencé en la escuela sin la motivación y me enlisté en el militar sin otra opción. Luego fui a Cali a aprender el idioma cuando me escogieron. Pensé que era broma, entendí de nuevo. Con ganas de aprenderlo yo salí de Monterrey, capaz de entenderlo. Después de eso regresé a mi ciudad, le conocí a Padrino y formamos... La hermandad me motivó a conocer a la comunidad y lo que yo soñaba empezó a ser la verdad. Mi vida transformó la primera vez que me llamaron güero loco y no sé qué pasó, pero todo cambió. Y así es como aprendí el español. <laughs> Very nice. Excelente. Muy bien hecho, hombre. Eh? So that's, a, that's how I learned Te felicito. Like Muy bien. So how about doing a variable for us real quick? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that's cool. So Let's do a, um, how about a blotter? Hablar? Sí. Okay, cool. Or cantar, either one. Uh, cantar mejor, eh? Cantar, okay, cool. Sí. So, <clears throat> with what, what we did was we set these up to where it uses the repetition. And verbs are very important to learn. And so we set these up and we use reggaeton normally with the... Super repetitive. Um, and then what I did was I repeat. And you'll see how we do it right now. So check this out. Yo canto, yo canto, yo canto. Tú cantas, tú cantas, tú cantas. El canta, el canta, el canta. Ella canta, ella canta, ella canta. Usted canta, usted canta, usted canta. Ok. Y nosotros cantamos, nosotras cantamos, nosotros cantamos así. Y vosotros cantáis, vosotras cantáis, vosotros cantáis así. 
ellos cantan, ellas cantan, ustedes cantan. Ok, ellos cantan, ellas cantan, ustedes cantan. Ok, eso es cantar, to sing. And, uh, you know, we've got the DVDs that um, we created with Mr. Awesome with the videos that go along with the with the music. Um, and I think they're on Mr. Awesome's um, site. Yes, you know, they, they are. They are. To yes. check those out. And I'm working on getting everything combined. That with the A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, N, um, all of those things combined onto one CD yes. and also available yes. digi digitally as well. Yes. So Now, one, one other quick question here. So uh, if the listeners want to get you a hold of you so you can come and do a show for them, um, or, or how would they go about that? Um, they can go on Bilingual Nation USA, so BilingualNationUSA.com, um, or you can send me an email at BilingualConcerts at gmail.com. Um, I, either of those and, you know, just let me know what we're working with and, and I'll definitely work with you um, to be able to connect with, uh, with as many of your students as, as possible. Yeah, and if, if uh, you get a chance, uh, go ahead and be sure to connect with Guero Loco. As I've as mentioned several times, uh, I've been uh, very, it was a pleasure to see him in three or four schools perform and he puts on a great show. The kids love him and I would highly recommend it. And uh, he has a great story to tell and positivity and uh, other neat things. So uh, do be sure to get in contact with him. And that's Guero Loco, right? And uh, has nothing to do with the fact that his real name is Steve. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Guero, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for being on the show. And uh, hope to have you back again soon, okay? Igualmente, Mr. Awesome. Thank you very well, much. And to, to everyone at home, hey, keep pushing. Let's do this. And remember that you are the future of our students. So, yes, um, totally. From, from, one, to, from one military veteran to a whole bunch of educational veterans, thank you for your service. Gracias. Yes, and we all thank you for your service. todo. And uh, un fuerte abrazo para todos. Uh, sobre todo también un fuerte abrazo para, para Guero Loco. Eh? Y uh, Guero will be in contact here. So, uh, Have a great day, and uh, for everybody out there listening, you have a great day as well. Uh, we're going to have a special guest, I think, from Florida, Florida, coming up next month. Uh, he's, he's got quite a story to tell, and a great, great teacher, and uh, you're going to meet him next month. Uh, um, so that's it for today, and everybody keep safe, and uh, there'll be a vaccine soon, right? So we got to be faith, keep the faith here by... January, hopefully we'll have a December, January we'll have a vaccine and everybody can get back to normal a little bit. So uh, thank you again for listening and you guys out there have a great day. Thanks to all of the teachers listening for the incredible job you do and uh, wishing you the best of the best. Okay, see y'all. Nos vemos. Hasta pronto. Au revoir. And uh, we'll be in touch. Bye. Just.